Hey everybody, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your host, Hamel Javeri, and today my guest is J.A. Adande, who is a veteran of ESPN and has spent the last nine years covering the NBA, as well as being a long time around the Horn panelist, and is currently director of sports journalism and an associate professor at the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks. Now that you got through all my titles, is there any time <laughs> left for the podcast? <laughs> I wanted to make sure that everybody kind of knew that, you know, we, we've got some some knowledge coming on board. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to talk to you today about the week in sports. And, you know, a lot of it has revolved around Jamel Hill and uh, her her tweets. It's been you know, it's kind of taken over the news cycle as tweets tend to do. Um, and it all started on Monday when she sent out some tweets that were very critical of Donald Trump. And in response to those tweets, she she got a lot of backlash from, you know, from people on Twitter, as well as was it was kind of cyberbullied, I would say, if, if you agree with that. Well, that's kind of par for the course for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she takes it in stride. But if you live you know, on any given day just uh regardless of what she says you know if she's talking about the detroit lions or if she's talking about um you know a protest march or colin kaepernick uh, mm-hmm. the vitriol that is directed at her um you know it w- would probably cause most people to shut down their account and get off twitter um and it's certainly been elevated uh these last few days yeah it, it's shocking that you know what she kind of deals with on a regular basis and that got pumped up e- even more than usual um I'm, I'm a little are you surprised that she I don't want to say went after people but that she was airing her personal views on Twitter no because that's who she is and she's always going to be outspoken um you know maybe I guess I'm surprised that that she got caught up and and let this escalate uh mm-hmm. to the manner that it did um you mm-hmm. know like I've kind of differentiated. I, I say it's not that she was wrong, but she made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, maybe she she took things a bit too far. Um, but I think it's fine that she she expressed her opinion. I, I think we're all allowed to. Um, you know, in in certain cases, she it might have been a violation of ESPN social media policy. They they ask us to kind of refrain from um, the political realm and also, you know personal attacks and mm-hmm. um, she was personally critical of Donald Trump but um am I surprised that she felt that way am I surprised that she was outspoken no because that's who she is mm-hmm. and that's what has gotten her to this point in her career mm-hmm. and so ESPN after she after she sent out those tweets uh sent a statement that was just a very PR statement that said that you know they didn't support what she had done um and it escalated quite a bit when somebody asked uh, secretary, uh, press secretary Sarah Sanders about it. Uh, and then she said that it was a fireable offense. So it kind of took something that had just been uh, within sports media, I think, and elevated to a national conversation. Um, so you have spent a lot of time at ESPN. Can you are you comfortable talking a little bit about your experiences at ESPN and the culture around there? Sure, we can. And uh, I, I can a little side note about yesterday. It was kind of surreal real for me because the reporter who asked the question, David Nakamura, the Washington Post, was mm-hmm. my colleague was there in the mid-90s. Oh, okay. Our desks, our desks were right next to each other. And so it was really strange to see, you know, my friend and colleague um, asking the White House spokeswoman about another friend mm-hmm. and colleague of mine. And, and 
and he quickly blogged about it. That actually became the number one, you know, most discussed or most clicked story in the Washington Post on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, you know, bumped everything down. The, you know, the fallout yeah. of Hurricane Irma, and you know, whatever political maneuverings are going on in Capitol Hill that day, and this this became the number one thing on the Washington Post website. Um, you know, it's not every day you have uh, the spokesperson for the White House basically calling for the firing of yeah. a broadcaster and weighing in. Um, so from the ESPN perspective, um, you, know, you know, the funny thing is, is there's this belief that, that there's this, this culture and there's the, this shift to the left um, mm-hmm. in ESPN, and, and nothing has ever come from on high. Um, mm-hmm. In, in uh, our production meetings and our uh, conference calls that we have for Around the Horn, there has never been any tone set from, from Bristol. Um, there have been guidelines, there have been advisories, there have maybe been uh, limits on things we can talk about or, or areas that we want to discuss if they happen to be particularly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, we're, we're never told what to say. That's the most important thing. You know, I, I've never you know, had anyone say, well, you know, we want to take this side or this is the company agenda. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's funny because, you know, people that were accusing Jamel of of overstepping her bounds in her description of Donald Trump have no problem or seem to have no problem with affixing an ideology to ESPN that again I have never received a memo or heard a talking to from somebody higher up telling me which political stance uh, um, you know our corporation has adopted what do you think as even as a professor you're you kind of have feet in both worlds, right? You're, you're an academic and you're a media professional still. What do you think is the role of journalists, especially sports journalists in this climate? Because we get, especially if you're on Twitter and you share a political opinion or you share an opinion on a social issue, one of the most immediate responses that you get back is stick to sports. Well, we're people first and foremost. We're citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we happen to be voters. We're, we're parents. We're um, spouses, uh, or your sons, brothers, nephews, all those things. Um, so that, that doesn't end, um, you know, and in particular in an opinion role, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a columnist, as, as an opinionator on TV, um, you know, all these roles and increasingly the whole realm of, of sports media is shifting more and more to opinion and social media in particular. I, I always tell my students that, Social media tends to go from informative and updates to opinion really quickly. Remember on Facebook when it first started, it would lock you into that format of, you know, it would say J. A. Adande is yes. and would force you to describe what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, now Twitter and Facebook tend to be what we're thinking, right? We share our thoughts. We share our opinions. And in sports journalism as well, if you look at what ESPN is doing with their programming, what Fox Sports 1 has, has dedicated their, their daily lineup to, it's opinion-based. And if you're getting my opinion, that means you're getting the totality of my existence and mm-hmm. my views far and beyond, um, you know, just what happens in between the lines. In particular, as those lines have sort of been dissolved, um, you know, when you've got when you've got athletes feeling more and more confident to speak up, when you've got um, everyone from LeBron James to Steph Curry, um, you know, giving their opinions, weighing in and just a little bit here and there mm-hmm. on, on the presidency, um, you know, when you had. The, the four NBA players standing up at the start of the ESPYs last year and just speaking out on uh, after a very difficult week in our country, 
with uh, yet another police killing and then the, the, the slayings of the police officers in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have all of that happening, it, it's impossible to ignore and it's impossible not to weigh in. And in particular, when you have this, this medium now um, in which you can express your opinion. Uh, you know, the, the biggest impediment used to be that, you know, the opportunity to express yourself publicly was very limited. And that's why those jobs were so precious. When mm-hmm. I got that LA Times sports columnist job, there weren't many opportunities to express yourself on such a large platform. Now on Twitter, everyone can express his opinion or her opinion. Um, you know, you don't have to wait and, you know, put in your time to get a calm job. You're, you're, you're instant columnist, you know, whether or not you have professional experience or not. Um, you know, and, and it's an opportunity to to venture into things and give opinions that you never would have given before. You know, Jamel has a platform not only to discuss her political opinion, but to give her opinions on her favorite TV shows like Power Insecure. And nobody seems to tell her to stick to sports when she's opining about TV shows. But again, when, when people tread in the area where it disagrees with maybe the person that you voted for, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're told to, to stay in your lane. Yeah, it is. It is very frustrating. And I think that what is happening here is happening with a lot of other journalists on on a smaller level, because if you are in especially traditional legacy media companies tend to tend to have a very strict social media policy. And I don't know if ESPN has a specific social media policy about or, or is it covered under their ethics policy? Um, but a lot of newspapers. No, and, and they put out reminders as well. OK. Um, you know, last year, I, I, you know, particularly in election seasons. And, and it's interesting because it, it has evolved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they basically used to say, don't weigh in on any kind of news issues. Mm-hmm. Um, or polit- and, and the definition of political has, has evolved as well. And I think it's been lost. You know, mm-hmm. to me, political is you're voting on a tax reform or, you know, DACA or, or, or you know, politics. Um, you know, now we've tended to to say that anything social related is political. It's been mislabeled. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've told, especially in campaign years, because now you're getting into and this is kind of wonky stuff, but you're getting into, you know, the fairness doctrine. And, and as, as a news entity, if we have our people endorsing or, or speaking on behalf of one candidate, uh, you know, are obligated to provide equal time. So there's a concern that um, that speaking out in in and uh, too much during an election campaign could um, could lead to violations of, of that fairness doctrine. So uh, there's a reminder of that. There, there's advice to, to sort of, you know, sit these things out and to avoid it. So I tend to especially kind of, you know, tamp things down uh, mm-hmm. during an election campaign cycle um, after the election. And, and this year they, they sort of remind us, even after the election, because things were so heated and so contentious, yeah. um, you know, they reminded us that a we should leave politics out of our uh, our reporting and, and our, our things that we produce for ESPN and then there was that addendum that you know this basically also applied to social media as well and, and the note that it could be um, considered social media I think something also that that's interesting is that um, you had the court case with, with Bart Hubbock at the New York Post mm-hmm. she he basically uh, issued a tweet that that compared the inaugural date of Donald Trump to 9-11 and, and Pearl Harbor. And um, that was met with a lot of backlash. And, um, you know, the, the Post basically let him go over that. He tried to countersue and, and say that uh, it was his personal account. Therefore, they had no jurisdiction. His, his, his company couldn't fire him for something that he said on his personal account. And what the court ruled was that um, was that if you use it, if it's connected 
and associated with work, and he had used it to promote his New York Post work and provide links. Therefore, that was a, enough of a link for that to be generally considered in the realm of his work. So it wasn't separate. And I thought that was an important uh, legal issue and, and legal breakthrough and, and uh, a legal line that was established. Yeah. So that gets into the legality of it. Um, you know, I, I, my main motto was when in doubt, don't, if you think there could be any, you know, negative repercussions or if it could be interpreted the wrong way, don't do it. And I also say that it's really difficult to win on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, the benefits of what you could gain, possibly gain, even if it's the funniest, most retweeted thing ever, um, it's not going to outweigh the particular risks that, that you might suffer if you're in a position of prominence. Yeah. And a lot of people now um, definitely use Twitter as as a way to build their brand. Right. That is how it And being opinionated on Twitter is the is the quickest way to do that. People have very little time for reasoned opinions and facts. Right. It's it's all about getting across that opinion in 140 characters. And, and um, some people have accused, you know, that 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 was Jamel's agenda. I mean, she, she already is the host of six o'clock yeah. of the co-host. She, you know, she's she's not going to um, increase enhance her status by gaining a few more Twitter followers. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, it's, it's a side thing for her. It, it, it's not her agenda. You know, she's not driven mm -hmm. to to make a name for herself, to use Twitter to enhance her brand. Um, for her, it, it, it's sort of a, a way to let off steam, to, to have a little fun, to, to talk about her TV shows, to, to kind of weigh in with a quick thought about the mm -hmm. game that she's watching. Um, but she's not going to you know, she's not going to gain anything. That's why I said there's more to lose. You can't win on Twitter. Yes. Jamel Hill is not going to gain any prominence now through Twitter. She's made it. She's established. Twitter can't do anything to enhance her yes. brand. So the notion that that this was just an attention grab is ludicrous. It, it is. That's incredibly silly because in, in her, um, you know, she tweeted out a let's get the facts straight. I guess, apology about the tweets. She says that she wasn't sorry for her personal opinions, just that she f she didn't want it to reflect that that's what ESPN meant, right? She said that those are her personal opinions, which I think is a really good distinction. She's not walking back what she wanted to say, um, but she is kind of saying that I agree that it, you know, if it reflects on ESPN, then this isn't the appropriate way to do it, which I thought was a really important distinction as well, is that she wasn't going to walk back her opinion by any means. Um, yeah, yeah. Nor, nor, nor should she. Nor should uh, she. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's important distinctions. It's fine lines. And, and again, she might have crossed a, a, a line, um, you know, in the language, particular language that she used. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe she would have done it differently. And, and maybe she wouldn't have even gone down that avenue. Remember, the whole conversation started when she was tweeting about Kid Rock. And I didn't follow the details of the conversation, how it shifted over to Donald Trump. But it started with, with her referencing Kid Rock and the fact that, you know, who, who basically wrote a letter to say that he doesn't have anything against black people, but she noted that he's had no problem embracing, embracing the Confederate flag, which is mm -hmm. uh, an undisputable symbol of hatred and aggression and the suppression of black people. So um, it started from that. It shifted. Um, she No, she doesn't apologize for her sentiment. Um, I think, she, yes, she does apologize for... Um, involving ESPN for people to think that this was any way associated with ESPN, that mm -hmm. this should reflect on ESPN because that's not her intention. But that, that's part of the problem is that people can't differentiate between mm -hmm. between Twitter and ESPN. I might tweet out, tweet something political related and, and somebody will say, well, that's why I don't watch ESPN anymore. I don't want politics in my sports. Well, you're not you're not watching ESPN at the moment. Yes. You, you watch around the horn. If you're watching Sports Center, you're not getting these opinions. 
you know, you came and followed me on Twitter because you want me. And guess what? If you're following me on Twitter, you're getting me um, less filtered because it is a platform to express whatever I want. It's not appropriate for me to go on Around the Horn and, and from everything from my favorite TV show, uh, you know, to, to Trump, if it has no bearing on the topics at hand. But you come to Twitter, everything's fair game. See, I think that's an incredibly important distinction that you just made, too, which is that the outside audience doesn't differentiate between your role and your opinions Um as as a person, as a journalist, that's all very intertwined with the company that you work for. Yeah, and, and when we first started, early on when I first got on Twitter, um, they would use my tweets uh, for, for all of us who were in, in let's say, the NBA section of, uh, of ESPN.com. Mm -hmm. Our tweets would automatically post on the ESPN.com NBA page. So in that case, I had to think of everything that I tweeted as, you know, whether or not it was fit mm -hmm. and it was appropriate to be on ESPN.com. In that case, literally the, the words going on on my Twitter page were also going on ESPN.com. So I did have to think of them as one and the same. And we got away from that. I still, I still think in terms of ESPN and standards and that, um, you know, I, I, language that I use, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to use any R-rated language on mm -hmm. my Twitter feed, um, you know, inappropriate, um, you know, photos or, or, um, you know, I, I might tweet out a YouTube link that has, you know, R-rated language, but mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't, you know, you know, link to anything with, with nudity or anything like that. Um, so personally, I maintain those standards. Um, I think there's some expectations that you're going to maintain those standards as well. Um, you know, you, you are representing, you're representing ESPN, just, just like, um, you know, if you were to be, you know, arrested for drunk driving, you wouldn't be on the job. You wouldn't be an official, you know, in an official ESPN capacity, but, um, you know, it would be, you know, there's a standard of behavior and lawless, lawfulness that mm -hmm. you're expected to uphold. So um, it, a lot of it is personal, but but I think there's some general expectations of what comes in. And probably the most important advice I was ever given was one of my editors who said, think of Twitter as a live microphone. Mm -hmm. Don't tweet anything that you wouldn't be willing to say on a live microphone that's being broadcast on national TV. Yeah. And, and it does create a lot of headaches, quite honestly, right? Like because of the past couple of days that, that Jamel has had, you have to wonder if she or anybody else would be willing to be that outspoken again, just knowing that it causes such it just takes so much attention away from what you have to do for a living. Um, the other interesting thing is that based on what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, there, there was an interesting blog post that used the words chilling effect. And, and that gets mm -hmm. in the First Amendment area. And, and again, is, is that, OK, would, would there be a chilling effect knowing that, you know, a, a citizen, a journalist being critical of the president could see the White House essentially call for their firing? Um, you know, would that limit what you says? And do, do we want to really diminish the, the discourse? You know, the democracy is is based on on having a healthy discussion. And and, and the, the principles that make America great is you are you can um be critical of our government officials without facing serious repercussions. Uh, you know, you're not going to be imprisoned. Um, you're not going to face punishment for your opinion as long as you're not threatening or anything like that. So, you know, that that's a thought, too, is that could yes. there be a chilling effect? And, and is that an America that we want, that people are being silenced and, mm -hmm. and being afraid to speak out uh, against their elected officials. Well, that's what takes this thing to a whole different level, right? Is that regardless of uh, 
you know, whether or not she should be saying that, she very clearly was expressing a personal opinion that was critical of the president. And to be able to say that you can be fired for that uh, takes this to a very different level um, chilling effect. And it is in line with some of the other anti-media sentiments that we have seen uh in well in politics recently from the president himself recently and it compounds all of those and she is an african-american woman who occupies a very uh difficult place to get to in sports so in a, in a rare place a I very mean, yeah a very I'm rare place african-american woman in a prominent position giving her opinions on sports yeah, it is. It's a very like difficult place to be in as it is a very hard place to get to. And she very clearly expressed her opinion. Um, and it is unfortunate. Well, I find it unfortunate that, you know, ESPN didn't back her up. But the fact that the president's secretary, press secretary is calling for her to be fired uh, takes it to a whole other level that pushes it past just, you know, what's appropriate to say on Twitter, I think. Yeah, it, it, it changed the game. And, mm -hmm. and uh it, again, it was surreal that that it went to that level, um, you know, and 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 it even though it wasn't intention, I think it does change things internally at ESPN. You know, now this is a uh, this is a political issue now. You know, mm -hmm. the White House has weighed in on this. Um, you know, it, it's it's more headaches for the company. And remember, if you go up the ladder, you're talking about, um, you know, the Disney company. Um, you know, the this is a headache for the company to mm -hmm. deal with. Um, so again, I, I think, you know, Jamel regrets putting putting the company in that position with her her personal opinions. Is there is there anything that I didn't get to that we wanted to chat about? Uh, no, I, I just think you know it's very important to to make distinctions distinctions and to, to look at uh, the language that's used and, and what is and isn't appropriate. Like I say, remember back to when Bill Simmons was suspended for mm -hmm. his criticism of, of Roger Goodell. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is looking at things from an ESPN standpoint mm -hmm. and for people to think about, you know, how their employers might differentiate. Keith Olbermann was equally critical of Roger Goodell, but Keith Olbermann made the distinction of, of saying that Roger Goodell was lying about, you know, maybe the NFL's awareness of the uh, Ray Rice videotape when they, they issued their initial uh, lighter suspension. Uh, Bill Simmons took it a step further and said Roger Goodell is a liar. It might not seem like much of a difference, but I think that distinction was enough, not to mention the fact that, that Simmons basically challenged his, his bosses to, to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, but those things were enough to, to warrant the, the, the suspension. So, um, you know, the, the, the fine line of language of, of adjectives versus nouns, um, you know, these are what lawyers look at. This is what employers look at. Um, you know, and in this case, I think this is what took Jamel's tweets um, from opinion because then now you're you're stating a position, you're asserting mm -hmm. that Trump is something. Mm -hmm. um, it becomes a little harder to defend. I, I I point to the Ta-Nehisi Coates story that came out basically on the same subject. Um, you know, you could yes say that that Jamel's tweets were kind of a, a synopsis of the multi-thousand-word story that that Coates wrote, but the important difference. If you notice in Coates' story, he never specifically says that Donald Trump is a white supremacist. And I'm sure his editors and possibly the Atlantic's lawyers, um, you know, did that very deliberately. Um, so, again, you know, the, the boundaries that you can stay within and the, the boundaries that put you at risk if you, if you cross them, um, they, they might seem very fine, but, uh, you know, they, they, they change the entire uh, scope of the discussion. Yeah, and those are incredibly wise words, um, which I'm sure that you're sharing with your students as well. 
Tuesday's class uh, <laughs> just got decided this week. I had to, to scrap the original lesson plan, and uh, yeah, this will be coming up in class on Tuesday. <laughs> Perfect. They can just listen to the podcast if they want to. Um, well, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for for sharing them with us and for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. This has been incredibly helpful and illuminating. Um, and thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. 